Turn to your scriptures, our text in um, 1 Samuel 2 and Romans 13. In 1 Samuel 2, we saw Eli and his sons did not respect the Lord. His sons did wicked things. They stole the offerings. They had affairs with the women that came. They just treated the Lord's things like they were nothing. And the Lord warned them, and he warned Eli, and he didn't do anything about it. And now judgment has come. And he told them, he said, I had said that the priesthood would be with you and your family forever. But now he said, be it far from me. Because them that honor me, I will honor. And those that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Verse 30, put that up for us, please. 1 Samuel 2.30. Everybody say that out loud, that last phrase. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Let's all say it together again. For them that honor me, I will honor. And they that despise me shall be lightly esteemed. Do you want the Lord to honor you? Oh, yes, you do. I know that might sound strange to your ears, but oh, yes, you do. He must want to honor you. He wouldn't tell you to honor him, and then he's going to honor you. Is it right for you to honor him? Well, then it's right for him to honor you. That's what he wants to do. And uh, uh, honoring us comes in many forms. Uh, If other people are losing their money, losing their houses, losing everything, and God not only helps you to keep yours, but you pay it off and you get ahead, he honored you. Is that right? I mean, while other people die young and, and lose people to accidents and this and that, but God protects your babies and your kids and he heals you and your family and keeps you, that's honoring you. Isn't it? One of the greatest ways he honors us is with his presence. With his presence. He's everywhere, but he's not manifested to the same degree everywhere. And is it possible that we can initiate a greater manifestation of the presence of God in our midst? That we can initiate it? Well, he told us, if you honor me, I'm going to honor you. And part of his honoring is him being with us and manifesting. What if we honored him more? He'd honor us more. What if we came to a whole nother level of honoring him? Well, then he would bring us up to a whole nother level of honoring us. You know, he has honored us by letting us have this fine place and by having the power and ability to go somewhere else and start a work. Isn't that an honor? He could have used somebody else. But uh, those of you that are word senders and have sown into this, you got seed in the ground. Now think about all the people that have been touched in this church, saved, got back to God over the internet, all the materials over all the countries over the last several years. You got seed in that. You got a part of that. Now that can multiply to another whole region of the country and who knows where it goes from there and That's God honoring us by using us. Romans 13 says this. Romans 13 and 7 in God's Word translation. The God's Word translation says, uh, Pay everyone what you owe them. If you owe taxes, pay them. If you owe tolls, pay them. If you owe someone respect, Respect that person. If you owe someone honor, honor that person. Here's where mind renewal comes in. A lot of people, when they think about respect, they think about, yeah, well, you better show me some respect. They don't think about giving respect. And if they think about giving respect, they think about, well, have they earned my respect? Do they merit my, but no, the Bible says you owe people respect. Like you owe taxes or owe a bill. If he says you owe it to him, then it makes no difference what you think about him or how you feel about it. You should pay what you owe. Pay 
the respect, pay the honor that you owe. You believe that? Go with me if you would. Let's see. Over to um, Psalm 106. Psalm 106. We have seen that uh, there is a principle in the word that if you despise a thing, you lose it. Esau despised his birthright. You remember that? And he lost it. And later on, when he kind of came to himself and realized what he had lost, he cried and prayed and tried to get it changed, but it was too late. Do you know some, everything about our life is time sensitive? Did you know that? And, and there are some things, you, you'll have other opportunities, even next year or the next. Others you won't. Others, there's a window and if you miss that window, you won't get it. Doesn't mean you're lost. It didn't mean you're lost, but you won't get used in that thing, and then you won't get reward for that in time to come. You you'll miss it. Some things really are once in a lifetime opportunities from God, and we begin to see last. Uh, Last week, that in the book of Malachi, the priests were not respecting God's offerings and his things, and he was very displeased with them. And he made this statement. He said, I gave, uh, we'll, I'll paraphrase a little bit, the priesthood to Levi, your forefather, because of the reverence and awe that he had for me. And we think about, why does God pick who he picks? Why does God choose this man or this woman out of the millions around them? Well, we know it's not all because of a superior intelligence. <laughs> or that they're better looking or that they're necessarily got more talents in certain natural areas or their backgrounds or upbringing. God sees the heart. That's what he sees and what's important to him. And the thing that qualifies us is our esteem for his things. If you truly value God, his word, his spirit, his things, that qualifies you to handle the holy. Can you say glory to God? It qualifies you and me to handle the holy. If you despise it, you disqualify yourself from it. God didn't disqualify you. The devil didn't disqualify you. You disqualified yourself because of your flippant attitude towards it. There's a phrase that sums up despising from the 80s. I guess it's still popular now. Whatever. You ever heard that before? Whatever. Whatever. What, is that? what does that mean? Whatever. 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 What does that mean? That is blatant Disrespect. It is in your face dishonor. And it's one thing to do that with a man or a woman, but to do it with God. Can you see that? The Lord tell you something and you go, whatever. The Lord told you and you respond that way. If you do, you then disqualify yourself from handling it, from experiencing it, from being a part of it, from getting to use it, be a steward of it. And God can and will use somebody else. People don't like to hear this. They don't like to think about it. But it's the Bible. It's true. 
Like I said, Phyllis and I got an education the last several months. Praying and seeking God about this sister church thing. And uh, we went to the book of Acts. And you saw how that Paul was going to go over here. And and the Spirit of God said, no, don't go there. And he said, okay. So then he starts to go over to this place. And the Spirit of God said, no, don't go there either. (laughs) And then finally, the, the scripture says, he put it together. <laughs> this was it. And the Lord helped me to see that the people have a big part to play with this. We have, seen, we have tended to think, well, it's just all up to God and his plan. No, the people have a lot to do with this. You remember sometimes Jesus would tell people that got healed, that got delivered amazing miracles. Sometimes he would tell them, do not tell anybody in that town about this. You remember Jesus would tell people? Do not tell anybody in that town about what, ha- what God did for you. Now that might sound strange. What if you heard, what if, what if somebody here had a, a great miracle today? And then I looked at him and I said, now don't you tell anybody in your hometown about this. Somebody said, well that wouldn't be right. Yes, it could be right. I mean, following Jesus' example is right. Yes. That's right. Just because you don't know. Well, no. No, everybody should know. Why would he tell them that? You remember he said on one occasion, he said, woe unto you, Capernaum. Woe unto you, this town. Woe unto you. Why? He said, because if the miracles that had been done in you were done in Sodom and Gomorrah, they had repented. What does that mean? They were despising what had happened in their midst. They were not acknowledging and appreciating that God had visited their town. And they treated it like it was nothing. And after some of that, the Lord will say, all right, do not go to that town and don't tell them that. They've despised it the last hundred times. They don't need to hear it again. And as the Lord was leading us, where do you go? You go to this state, you go to this town, you go to this place. And he reminded me, why did you come to Branson? Why did you come here? We're just two people. We just, we, we can't be everywhere. We just have specific assignments. But why, why Branson in, uh, what was it, 2002? Why? And uh, the first service we were here, the first Sunday, then we had 500 some people. Supernatural. And uh, supernatural. And uh, I said to the people, I said, you may say, why are you here? Why did you come to Branson? And I said, for no other reason except we believe the Lord directed us to. And it seemed like half the crowd spoke back to me. Just spoke right back to me and said, we know. We've been praying. Were some of y'all here? Am I telling it right? We know. And then the Lord helped me to see. See, the building and the land is not the church. You're the church. You're the church. Why did God send us here to you now? Why? Well, it's obvious. When we got here, man, you came. You came and you didn't just come once. You came again and you came again and you came in and you gave and gave and gave and gave and you joined teams all over the place and you worked your little self from early till late. Obviously, you love God. And you love the word and you love the ministry and you love the things of God. So it's obvious why God gave you a church. Come on, can you see this? Phyllis and I and the other ministers and this church is a gift to you from God. And the reason he gave this gift to you instead of somebody else, somewhere else, is because he knew you would value it. You would appreciate it. You would take care of it. You would support it. You would work. And there's been a couple of places that the Lord has directed us about going and doing. And you wonder about it, but then the Lord is going to have a witness. Even there'll be people in time to come that'll say, well, Lord, why didn't you do that for us? And he'll say, I offered it. And you didn't want it. It was available to you. I sent it to you. And you refused it. 
you didn't have time for. Jesus himself came unto his own. And his own what? They received him not. There was a time he came and he stood over the city of Jerusalem and he stood there and cried. Do you remember that? Jesus. He stood there and looked over it and he cried and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, if you had known the hour of your visitation, if you had known the time and who has come to you and the things that could have been yours and what you could have had, he said, but now it's gone. Now it'll be judgment. Why? Because they despised him. Should he have been honored? Should they have honored the King of Kings and the Lord of Lords? Should they? Now there were a few, there were a few who came out and tore branches off the trees and throwed them in the road and pulled their coats off and throwed them down and said, Hosanna, Hosanna, he's here, Hosanna. A few. That's us. Come on, come on, is that you? But the leaders, the leaders, the leaders and the, the, the city leaders and the religious leaders and the synagogue, they all came out and said, you tell them to hush. You tell them to shut up. Making this big deal out. Who is this coming in on this donkey? Hush, tell them to hush. Making a big deal out of this. He, he told them, I tell you the truth. If these weren't shouting and praising, these rocks would start making sounds. Because this is too big. Something's got to praise God here today because the Messiah is coming down the road. And if the people ain't got sense enough to know it, the rocks already know it. And the trees, because they know who made them. (laughs) Now God has been good to us. He has honored us. And we know if he's honored us to any degree, he must have allowed us to honor him so. Because he said, I honor those that honor me. Do you believe he's helping us to learn how and be able to honor him far beyond what we have done before and then what's going to happen after that? Glory to God. Exciting things of God showing up bigger than he ever has. The Bible said... Concerning the Israelites that were brought out of Egyptian bondage. Psalm 106. Are you there? 106 and verse 24. Says they despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. Unbelief and disrespect go hand in hand. Let this register on you now. What did we just say? Unbelief and disrespect. Or you could say doubt. Doubt and disrespect are joined. There, you, you show me one, I'll show you the other. You don't disrespect somebody you believe in. And if you're disrespecting them, you don't believe. They despised the pleasant land. They believed not his word. Numbers 14.31. You don't have to turn there. Numbers 14.31. The Lord said your little ones which you said should be a prey. Them will I bring in. And they shall know the land which you have despised. Did they despise the land God selected for them? the, The Canaan's land. Did they get to enjoy it? No. Because what you despise, you disqualify yourself from. What you despise, you lose. Think about it. God told them, I have searched the whole earth. And I have found a place for you. And you're going to like it. It is so nice. It's not like Egypt where you got to irrigate everything and you got to work so hard. I rain on it in the spring and I rain on it in the latter rains and I mean it grows. And, and did it grow? I mean, two men had to tote a bunch of grapes. 
I'm telling you, you, this is the original miracle growth. Long before there were any chemical plants, God was doing miracle growth. And I mean, he said, this land, it's got precious metals. It's got flowing streams. The hand of the Lord is on it all year long. Now, when God says, I found you a place, I picked it out myself. What do you say? Come on, what do you say? You should start going, oh, God, oh, God, oh, you found me a place. But they got there and they saw it. And they come back. And they said, uh, no, it's got giants. It's got walled cities. It's a land that'll eat you up. It's a land that'll chew you up, swallow you. And the Bible said it angered the Lord. Because they brought up an evil report about his good land. And they despised it. And they sat in their tents and they cried. And they felt sorry for themselves. Can you see this? Are they being disrespectful? You know, God didn't tell them about the giants. He didn't tell them about the walled cities. You know why? They're not a problem to him. And they didn't stop the next generation from going in either. Did it? The giants didn't stop them. The walled cities didn't stop them. What stopped them? The Bible says it was their unbelief. But can you see what it was tied to? Where did the unbelief come in? Them despising what God said about. He said I've given you the land. And, And Joshua and Caleb tried to persuade them. They said look. It's a good land, just like God told him. Look at this pile of grapes. Look at here. You know it is. And look, if God is with us, their defense is gone from them. They are bread for us. We can take this thing. You know why you like that so good? That's faith. That's faith. And that same spirit of faith is in you. It is same, same spirit of faith. Exact same spirit of faith that was in Joshua and Caleb is in you. And if you'll yield to it, something in you makes you want to stand up and say, give me this mountain. Give me this of mine. I'm going to take it. That makes God smile. That makes your father smile. It pleases him. That spirit. Oh, but to sit in a tent and cry and feel sorry for yourself and say, ain't no way, can't do it. That not only displeases him, it angers him. Because there's no excuse for it. He didn't say you had to do it anyway. He's going to do it. All you got to do is believe him. It's not like you having to create everything and do it. He said he's going to do it. He said he's already done it. All you got to do is believe. Despise it and be disqualified from it. Can you see this? Honor it and be qualified to handle the holy. Honor it greater and be qualified for promotion. To handle even greater. To be used even more. Even further. Go to Mark please. The sixth chapter. Mark. Chapter six. Do you remember. Judas. When uh, the woman came. With the precious box of alabaster ointment. And she broke it. And dumped it on Jesus feet. And what Judas said. What a waste. Exactly right. In Mark, uh, was it 14, 4? You don't have to turn there. Uh, He said, why was this waste of the ointment made? What do you mean waste? Putting it on Jesus is a waste. That's what he said. Giving it to Jesus is such a total waste. We could have sold this and given it to the poor. 
And that wouldn't have been a waste. And the Bible said he is a two-faced liar because he didn't care about the poor. He was a thief. He wanted it sold so the money would go in the bag so he could get to it. And you watch these same type people that start hollering. Oh, oh, that's too much. Maybe it's too much for you. Ain't too much for God. Wasn't too much for the giver. Wasn't too much for the receiver. So what business is it of yours? Right? But I want you to notice. Before Judas betrayed him, he disrespected him. It was already in his heart. It was already going that direction. The same guy that makes a big deal out of you receiving something worth $10,000 will sell you out for $50. Did he do it? I mean, it wasn't long after this incident that he goes to the leaders and says, how much will you give me? And I'll hand him over to you. Now I want you to think about this. Judas has been in the presence of the master. Night and day. And week after week. And month after month. And year after year. He has been in the most amazing services. He has heard The words of God Almighty pour out of the lips of the Master. He's been in His presence. Jesus has put His hand on Him. Jesus has hugged Him. Jesus has talked to Him. They've eaten together. They've traveled together. Do you think Jesus ever did anything that would cause Judas to lose respect for Him? He never did. He never did. And yet, Judas did lose his respect for the Lord. It wasn't the Lord's fault. How did Judas lose his respect for the Lord? What does it mean lose his respect? He came to not value him. Because when this woman comes and gives this big offering, he values the money more than the master. Can you see this? He's going on and on about the money and it's to the point where he says putting it on the master is a waste. So he values this money highly and the master not at all. And we know that he doesn't value the master at all because he goes and sells him out for 30 pieces of silver. Did he despise Jesus? Treated him as worth nothing. Well, his value was 30 pieces of silver. Unthankful. You know so many, let me say it like this, it's unusual, it's rare for someone to realize they're in the presence of greatness. Most people don't. Because everybody down here is human like you. They don't know everything. They make mistakes. They lack knowledge. They're not right about everything. And yet, they may be a real man of God, a real woman of God, a real person of the Lord. So many, it's it's only after people are gone to be with the Lord. Five, ten, twenty, thirty years, then they start talking about what a great person they were. But the people that were around them when they were living... Treated them like a fixture. Because all they saw was flesh. They weren't spiritual enough to discern the gift in their midst. Look in Mark 6. Mark 6. This happened with Jesus himself. If people, could, people that lived with Jesus for years could decide he's worth nothing and unimportant, then certainly can happen today with any of us. In Mark 6, verse 1, 
Jesus went out from there. He came to his own country. Now his own country, he went home. This is where he grew up. This is his stomping grounds. And his disciples follow him. Verse 2. He went to Sabbath day. When it was come, he began to teach in the synagogue. Now this is his home church. This is where he grew up. His home synagogue. Many hearing him were astonished and not in a good way. They said, from whence has this man these things? What wisdom is this which is given to him? Now this, this man is a little bit lost from Greek to English to, uh, or Aramaic. Um, we'd probably say it like this, this guy, this man. This guy. It's a disrespectful term. What wisdom is given to this to him, to this guy? That even such mighty works are wrought by his hands. Verse 3. Is not this the carpenter? The son of Mary, the brother James, Joseph, and Judah, and Simon? Are not his sisters here with us? And they were what? Offended at him. Not blessed. Offended. Do you believe he's doing a bad job speaking today? No No way, no how. Is something good coming out of him? Were were they excited about hearing a good word? No, no. no. They're standing there looking at him going, who does he think he is? Hey, did you forget we know who you are? Stand up saying he's anointed. That's Joseph's boy. You know, they fix plow stocks and chairs and stuff. And my brother works with his sister down there at the co-op. And and who does he think he is? Oh, he's anointed. These scriptures in Isaiah apply to you. We know who you are. They say, yeah, my, my auntie changed his diaper when he was a little baby. They despised him, didn't they? Can you see this, friends? If it's possible to be around Jesus and all you see is flesh and don't see the greatness of God, certainly be possible to be around any of his, any of his brothers or sisters. Hmm? Can we have some discernment so that we're not like blind, lost people? That we could realize that it's not just our husband, it's not just our wife, it's not just our uh, kids or grandkids, not just mom, not just dad. There's more to them than meets the eye. You believe it or not? There's more to them than what you see on the outside. Is that what they were saying? It's just Jesus, Joseph's boy. It's just him. Oh, friend, let this register on you. Is that a disrespectful term? It's only them. It's just them. It's just Papa. It's just Mama. It's it's just Bob. It's just Susie. It's It's just Jesus. But notice what happened. Or rather, what didn't happen. What's the next verse? Jesus said to them, A prophet is not without honor, but in his own country and among his own kin and in his own house. In other words, he said prophets are respected and they are honored, but not at home. Not in your hometown. Not among your kin folks. Why? Because they know you. Or at least they think. They think they know you because they see you from the outside and carnal folks, all they see is the natural side. There are other towns he went to. And the whole town turned out. And they had miracles. And they had amazing things happen. But here at home. The service is dead. Jesus is preaching. And the service is dead. There's no flow. There's no excitement. And in essence. They shut him down. Some said, oh, no, no, Brother Keith, they couldn't shut Jesus down. They shut him down. 
their disrespect shut him down. Not everywhere, but there. Keep reading. Verse 5. He what? He decided not to. Huh? He chose not to. No. He what? He could there do no mighty work. What does that mean? Could not. Yeah. Was not able. Why? Because he didn't want to. He never changes. He's always the healer. He's always the deliverer. He's always the Savior. Everywhere. Everybody. But these people shut him down. He could there do no mighty work save that he laid his hands upon a few sick folk and healed them. The implication is a few people with headaches and stomach problems and, 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 a, and a swelled toe got healed. But the blind eyes weren't opened. And the deaf ears and the paralyzed didn't walk. They did in other cities. They did in other towns. Why? Same Jesus, both places. Same word, same message, same Holy Ghost. What's the difference? Help me out. What's the difference? This place respects. This place does not. This place honors. Having traveled quite a bit over the last 20, 30 years, I've been to places where they forgot you were coming. Thank God, not many. Places where they left me and Phyllis at the airport for half a day. And then show up and go, oh, you're here today. And those places, my friend, are hard. Because if the preparation hasn't been done in the natural, you can know it hasn't been, has not been done spiritually. Either. The faith and the prayer is, is not there. Hard. Hard. Why? And you go to other places and preach the same thing and it's glorious. 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 And people say, well, you're just just wanting people to make a big deal out of you. I absolutely do not want people to make a big deal out of me. But if people respect God, they'll respect the one he sent. It works that way. Didn't he say, if you receive the one I send, you receive me. And if you receive me, you receive the one who sent me. Is that true? So it's not about making a big deal out of flesh and blood. And men and women, it's about making a big deal out of God. Out of his word, his gifts, his ministries. And if God says he picked them and he sent them and they're the ones he's using for today, that ought to be good enough for you. You ought to be on board with both hands and both feet going, well, if he's good enough for you, he's good enough for me. If you reject the cup, you don't get the contents. <laughs> if you reject the cup, you don't get the contents. Now, if you think about a man starving for water in the desert, and somebody offer him a great big old cup. Full of cool, clear water. And the man's starving, his lips are parched, and his tongue is swelled up and sticking out, and he's going, Oh, water, water. And so they offer it to him, and he says, Uh, nah, I don't like man cups. No, I don't like women cups. I don't drink from women cups. No, I don't like white cups. <laughs> I don't drink from white cups. <laughs> I don't like black cups. No. I don't like young cups. I don't like old cups. Well, die. <laughs> huh? I mean, <laughs> what can you say? I reckon you're going to die. Because <laughs> you don't like God's choice of cup. If you like the water, you are glad to see the cup. The Bible said, how beautiful are the feet of them. It don't make any difference. Old feet, young feet, black feet, white feet. Huh? 
It's the feet that brought it to you. Come on. It's the feet that brought it to you. It wasn't them. God just used them. He just brought it through them. But you got to respect that cup or you don't respect the God that gave you the cup. Can you see this, friends? And it's not about the quality of the cup. Jesus is as high quality cup as they come. And God is endeavoring to give them living water through the greatest cup that has ever been made. The master himself. And they looked at him and they said, we don't want carpenter cups, Joseph boy cups. No. I don't know who you think you are. Standing up there saying you're anointed. God's using you today. But we don't accept it. And the Bible said he couldn't do any mighty things there. Couldn't. They shut him down. Now you think about it. Think about this, my friend. Is the word in Jesus powerful? Yes. Is the spirit of God. The Bible said he had the spirit on him without measure. Yes. I mean, any one of us has the spirit by measure. I'm not, and no minister or preacher ever is or will be, apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, all the gifts of the ministry and, and, and spirit gifts rolled up in one. If anybody says they are, they're lying. They're not. But he was. He was everything and still is. Apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher. He had it all. And yet here he is. God's trying to give him some, some living water. And they said, uh-uh. no, no, we don't, we don't want you. And as powerful as the word is and was in Jesus, as powerful as the spirit of God was on him, this disrespect was strong enough to stop it. I know we don't even like hearing that, but it's the truth. And if disrespect would stop Jesus anointing and ministry, certainly the the servant's not above his master and any ministry around today can be stopped and shut down by disrespect. Does how you see a person affect what God can give you through that person? Totally. Totally. How you see them. We're talking about coming up to a higher place. Aren't we? We must change the way we see each other. It starts at home. Remember he said a prophet's not without honor except at home. In his own house. Why? Because that's the people you're around night and day. You see them after the flesh all the time. And so it's, it's too easy to just judge them after the flesh. And that's all you see. But you've got to close your eyes sometimes and remind yourself that's not just my husband. That's not just my wife. That's a woman of God. That's the daughter of the Lord. That's a gift of God. There are graces and calls and anointing. Don't, don't let the flesh fill your eyes and miss the big thing. It'll help us how we refer to each other. Hmm? What if you referred to your wife instead of my old lady? <laughs> my woman of God. Now that's a difference. Huh? You know, God's going to use your husband. You mean Joe? Oh, give me a break. <laughs> Joe couldn't find a scripture with both hands and a good coordinate. <laughs> That's what they did with Jesus. That's exactly what they did with him. And did it affect what they received through him? It shut off. What they could have received through him. Oh, friends, are you listening with your spirit today? Your spouse, your friend, your mom, your dad, your child may have been carnal. Do you think you have never been? (laughs) But listen to me. If we will begin to see each other through God's eyes and value each other higher you'll begin to see things in that person you never realized were there. I'm talking about somebody you lived with for 20, 30, 40, 50 years. Are y'all with me or not? You'll begin to see. Why? Because 
You mean, well, I hadn't seen it. Well, you don't respect it. And if you don't respect it, you're not going to see it. Not now, not next year. But if you'll begin to look for it, and whether you've ever seen it or not, believe it's there. Just believe it's there by faith and begin to look for it and make room for it. You will see things come up in people and come out of people that will cause you to marvel. And you go, wow, wow, I didn't know that was there. I didn't know God had put that in them. Did you know every one of us are rare treasures? Every one of us are one of a kind masterpieces made by the Lord himself. And we've got amazing gifts and graces in us. Hallelujah. Let's look for it. I said let's look for it in each other. Go with me if you would. The first Corinthians, and we'll we'll close with this. First Corinthians eleven. How do you qualify to handle the holy? Well, you honor it. You honor it more. In First Corinthians, the eleventh chapter, we're going to receive communion today. And this chapter that we refer to virtually every time, did you know it deals with disrespect and honor? In 1 Corinthians 11, he shares the part in verse 23 about how he received of the Lord and about the bread, the broken body, and the blood. And the cup, the New Testament in my blood. And how that verse 26, as often as you do these things, you show the Lord's death till he come. Verse 27. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord, what? Unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. I never saw that, Lord. Thank you. You have to back up to the the previous part of that chapter. He said, uh, verse 20, when you come together, therefore, into one place, this is not to eat the Lord's Supper. In other words, what you're doing and calling the Lord's Supper is not the Lord's Supper. He said, what? Have you not houses to eat and to drink in? There's a positive note here. God expects you to have a house to eat and drink in. (laughs) see you can point right here and say well now Lord you said I should have a house to eat and drink in (laughs) or despise you the church of God did you hear that phrase he said do you despise the church of God do you think they are the last ones to have despised the church uh uh He said, because you're shaming them that have not. What shall I say to you? Shall I praise you in this? I praise you not. And he talks about that they are, uh, uh, verse 21, everyone's taking before his own supper. One is eaten and another is drunk. They had a meal. Not a little wafer and a little cup. They had a meal. But they just were eat overeating and drinking and over drinking and they weren't honoring the Lord they weren't mindful of the body of the Lord and the blood of the lamb and he's rebuking them and reproving them and he says if you do this and you take of this unworthily he said you are guilty of the body and blood of the Lord how can that be Because you're doing the same thing that the people that crucified did. You don't crucify the Son of God, the King of Kings, and the Lord of Lords. So how did they, how could they do it? They saw him as a confused, ignorant preacher. They saw him as a charlatan. Did you hear me? They treated him like he was nothing. Those, you think those Roman soldiers and those people nailing him 
were afraid of repercussions? No. They saw him as just another number such and such and such to nail to the cross. And he's telling these people at Corinth after the death, burial, and resurrection, don't go in there and act like this is just another meal. Don't go in there and act like this is just another party. When you're saying the blood of the Lamb and the body of the Lord, there ought to be some respect. It ought to be distinguished from just eating a bunch of stuff and drinking a bunch of stuff. We ought to have fun. We ought to be full of life and full of joy. But we ought not be disrespectful. You don't have to be disrespectful to be full of life and full of joy. And there's a time to holler and cut up and jump around. And there's a time when everybody ought to shut up and stand at attention. And say, oh, this is, the, this is this. This is the body of the Lamb. This is the blood of the Lamb. And, you know, we've got uh, churches all over the country where uh, people are allowed to do all kind of things through the service. And they come in and they do other stuff going in the back here and there's stuff going in the front and and kids are doing this and adults are doing that and it's just a free-for-all. And people say, well, you know, we're just not bound by all that tradition and all that stuff. No, no, you've gone too far. You're totally disrespectful of the Word or of the things of God. And then you got people growing up in families like this and sometimes second and third generations, their parents didn't teach them any manners and respect because they weren't taught any by their parents and you got things lost. But even though we're in the world, we are not of the world and God hadn't changed and the Word hadn't changed, we're already seeing it. I believe it. Our kids, our young people are and will be some of the most God-glorifying God and man respecting and honoring they will be lights and you tell me in this hard pressed corporate world and economic world if they got a bunch of young people in there and they need somebody for a position who are they going to get this sloppy cussing disrespectful bunch or your young man who comes in there looking like something and acting like something and knows who he is and how to talk and how to act he's going to go straight to the top and it'll glorify God. When he gets there, he'll tell them about Jesus. Right? What makes you how you are? Jesus. Jesus. He taught me respect. He taught my parents respect. They taught me. And he taught me. This is not an isolated thing. Didn't he say that children are to honor and to obey their parents? Why? That they may live long. On their, that it may go well. Right? Now, what are we talking about? Going well with them. It's not going to go well with disrespectful, dishonoring ones. But it will. Those who honor the Lord, tell me what will happen. He will honor them. Stand up on your feet, everybody. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. Praise you, Lord. This ministry has been brought to you today free of charge by the partners of More Life Ministries and Faith Life Church. If you would like to help send this word to others at no charge, you can become a word sender today. For more information, visit our website at morelife.org.